I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, I bring to you the wild story of Shatush, the most expensive and very illegal fabric, a sordid tale which spans the alpine valleys of Switzerland, the harsh climates of the Tibetan plateau, Kashmir, and one innocent animal. which is at the center of it all Two hours away from Milan nestled in the Burgle Valley lies the town of Castelsegna right at the border of Switzerland and Italy Every once in a while a border official in his routine checks would come across a piece of cloth it's pretty unimpressive at the first glance beige in color wrinkled and speckled with tiny crinkly hairs but to the trained eye it is a shawl made of very expensive ultra soft ultra warm wool the border official would immediately confiscate it because this isn't any ordinary piece of cloth at the asking price of $20000 it is the world's most expensive and yet 100% illegal fabric to own this is the wild story of shatush a fabric that is illegal to import trade or even own from the homes of the elite in europe to the high altitude tibetan plateau in china to the humble handloom in kashmir this story has all the trademarks of the global underground nexus of producers distributors and high end customers at the center of it lies the gorgeous tibetan antelope an animal endemic to the tibetan plateau a species that was declared endangered by the iucn way back in the 1960s more recently in 2008 at the beijing olympics china released five mascots inspired by indigenous wildlife representing the yellow ring was yingying a little male antelope traditionally considered to carry the blessings of health and is considered to have a vibrant and lively personality the choice of antelope was a conscious call both for political and ecological reasons yingying's headgear incorporates elements of tibetan and Xinjiang ethnic costumes two groups that have been systematically prosecuted by China but secondly the tibetan antelope is a protected species in china and the government has tried hard to stem its population decline something it obviously wanted to showcase with the exception of few antelopes found in ladakh india the species is endemic to china spread across tibet southern xinjiang and western qinghai unfortunately it's already locally extinct in nepal But why is shatush banned in over 160 countries and why does its trade come with a hefty fine and imprisonment its counterpart the famed pashmina another prized wool is traded legally and available freely and that too is made from the undercoat of another species the changthangi goat so what makes shatush which is persian for king of wolves non kosher that's because the global demand for shatush wiped out 90% of the tibetan antelope population during the previous century during the 1990s the peak of the global trade shatushes were still sometimes offered for sale in shops around the world and even 
openly advertised. Because the antelope are wild animals that can't be domesticated and shown, the only way to get the wool is to kill them and strip it from their carcasses. It takes wool from four antelopes to produce just one shawl. The entire operation starts in Tibet, where across the vast tracts of the Changthang National Reserve, one would find carcasses of Tibetan antelopes spread across the desolate landscape. From there on, it follows two routes. One through Aksai Chin or China-occupied Kashmir and the other through Nepal. The destination, however, remains the same. Kashmir. In central Srinagar, despite its official ban, there have been reports of weavers who continue to work on this delicate pull. To evade the authorities, Shatush artisans have gone into hiding in Kashmir and it's challenging to find them. As per the Wildlife Trust of India, there is great incentive to keep their work going. Switching to Pashmina cuts weavers' profits in half and the global demand for Shatush sees no signs of abating. But it isn't just about the money. Shatush weavers were once highly respected and the culture is entrenched. Each Shatush is painstakingly crafted, a process that can take years and the knowledge about how to work with the delicate brittle wool is passed down through the generations. Traditionally, Shatush shawls were given as dowry in India and Pakistan and while this traditional demand has dwindled, the Western markets continue to lap it up with unbridled lust. Kashmiri legend has it that Shatush shawls came to Europe after French Emperor Napoleon presented one to Josephine more than two centuries ago. The illegal trade in the West has also led to scientific advancements in identifying Shatush. In the mid-1990s, forensic morphologist Banny Yates worked at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services Forensic Laboratory in Ashland, Oregon. She devised a way to distinguish the guard hairs of the Tibetan antelope from those of other animals. Under the microscope, she found that a Tibetan antelope guard hair is filled with minuscule air bubbles that give it the flagstone look. A single guard hair from the domesticated Capra hircus goat, the animal used to make legal pashmina scarves, is entirely different. It's a thick, dark strip with white edges, almost like a freshly paved street with pale gutters. It's this exact same technique that is used at the checkpoint in Casta Segna, which has emerged as the hotspot for Shatush confiscation. One of the more traditional methods has been the famed ring test, which suggests that a high-quality Pashmina or Shatush shawl would pass through a wedding ring. Despite being accepted wisdom, the test has no real validity. It was devised by the Mughals and British as a way to impress their wives, creating a spectacle for all to see. Even today, one would find shawl merchants enthusiastically doing the ring test in front of unsuspecting customers. However, given the advancements in weaving, today, even materials as cheap as viscose would pass through a ring. But ring or no ring, the trade in shatus continues to thrive. As recently as July 2021, the CBI raided two Srinagar-based firms and recovered shatus shawls. Across the border in Pakistan, in designer stores in Lahore and Karachi, the shawls have been sold both clandestinely and openly. In Switzerland, between 2015 and 18, customs officers seized the equivalent of more than 800 Tibetan antelope from the necks or luggage of travellers, primarily from Italy, Germany, the UK and the Middle East. Modern designs, including elaborate embroidery and patterns, suggest that at least some of the shatushes were newly made. But there is hope. In 2015, China's environmental bodies reclassified Tibetan antelope as near-threatened 
in the country's national red list of vertebrates. The next year, guided by the determination, the IUCN also downlisted the animal from endangered to near-threatened and estimated that 100,000 to 150,000 remain in the wild. This, however, needs to be treated with caution since a full census of the population has never been done and all numbers are at best estimates. But what is clear is the lesson we derive from the fate of the Tibetan antelope. In 2004, a Chinese film, Kekishili, Mountain Patrol, depicted the struggle between vigilante rangers and bands of poachers in the remote Tibetan region of Kekishili. It is the real-life story of how vigilantes who despite poverty and the lack of any government support roamed the land to protect the endangered Tibetan antelope from extinction. The film did exceedingly well domestically and internationally. So much so that a year later the Chinese government declared Kekekshali a national nature preserve and established a forestry bureau to protect it which eventually led to the growth in the Tibetan antelope population. As we travel and bring back stories to our loved ones we must also bring into our conversations stories of nature and wildlife which are in need of protection more than science communicators these stories need narrators like you and me and only this awareness could stem the dizzying decline our planet has led into if you like this podcast don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memory on Twitter and YB Travel Forty Two on Instagram. 